J-Lo. Yes. I want to talk to you about mm -hmm. something. Okay. Several years ago, way before we met, mm -hmm. I might have been doing an edible. Uh-oh. Okay. And I was, let's just say I was having a good time and talking to a former friend. This is one of those people who's like super into self-help. This is the guy who got me into Tony Robbins. Right. And, you know, I said, to, we were just talking about different self-help people. He's like, Rick, I've been getting into this lady named Teal Swan, mm -hmm. but she sounds very white trash. Mm -hmm. So he gives me his headphones and he plays me some of her stuff. And I'm, because of what I've eaten, I was kind of out there. So I was like, oh, this sounds really weird. Yeah. But I didn't think much of it. And we were kind of joking about her. But he said that she had some really good advice. Okay. Okay. I have a female friend who I actually know through this guy. Mm -hmm. And maybe a year and a half, two years later, her and I were talking on the phone. Mm -hmm. And she brings up Teal Swan. And I told her what our mutual acquaintance had said. And she said, well, he's not really digging deep enough into her work mm -hmm. so she tells me this story about how when teal had come to portland several years ago mm -hmm. now several years ago back then it wasn't uh, my female friend went to see her live and asked her a question mm -hmm. and my friend is telling me about the teal tribe mm -hmm. which is basically the the way she described it was teal lives in a house with a bunch of her friends and husbands. Right. And we were joking around about how that sounds kind of like a cult. It does. <laughs> but my friend was saying, I know it sounds like that, but it's, you know, it's not the case. Mm -hmm. She's really cool. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I think what's happening is, is our acquaintance mistaked Till for sounding intense with her sounding like she's trailer trash. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Till Swan sounds like trailer trash, but I would agree that she doesn't sound like the most humorous person on the planet. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, I just heard a, her voice a few minutes ago because you played something for me and it sounded like she was pretty, in, she was a pretty intense person. Yeah. So Years go by, and a couple other people I know refer to Till Swan. And so I checked out some of her stuff. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really for me. I saw a news report. It was the same one I just played for you, mm -hmm. where she's talking about being sexually abused as a kid and also watching the murder of other children. And then there was some other report where she's saying that this was like a family friend mm -hmm. who did it. And something never quite added up. Because she also said, at least what I've seen, that she had good parents. Mm -hmm. So how would this family friend be able to not just abuse her, but in, in this intensive manner, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. About a month ago, I'm having a conversation with another friend. And he's going through some stuff, so he's at home a lot and listening to podcasts. So he tells me about this show called Mormon Stories, mm -hmm. which is basically, it, it's a long thing, but this guy, when he started the podcast in 2005, he was like, apparently, and I haven't listened to the earlier episodes, this is according to my friend, mm -hmm. a full-on Mormon and trying to convert people. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. But he just kept doing the podcast mm -hmm. as he was growing as a human being and his understanding. And at some point, he saw the 
his interpretation was, I should say, that the Mormon church is super racist and super homophobic. So he left the church and the focus changed from I'm trying to convince you to be a Mormon to now I'm going to try to show you what the church is really like. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that sounds kind of interesting. I listened to an episode last night and it was like a Q&A thing from a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the most popular episodes of the show within the last year. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, and then there was that time we interviewed so-and-so who grew up in a cult with Teal Swan. He just kind of throws that out. So I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. Let me find that. I found it. And I'm not sure what to expect. I'm not sure if... So what I thought he might have been saying was that either... This girl and Till Swan were raised in the same cult, or this girl was raised in a cult ran by Till Swan. But the second thing didn't really make a lot of sense to me because I had always known her as this person in the self-help mm-hmm. category, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, let me check this out. It's probably they were raised as kids together mm-hmm. in a cult. Mm-hmm. That was not the case. I wish I remembered the lady's name, but you know how I am with that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think if you want to check it out, it's episode 1607 or 1637 mm-hmm. of the Mormon Stories podcast. Mm-hmm. But she was one of five girls, this lady, mm-hmm. and her parents divorce. Mm-hmm. The mom gets remarried, so they move to, I guess, like a different part of town. Mm-hmm. And she said that her stepfather was a great guy, mm-hmm. by the way. That's good. But, the, you know, everybody was Mormon mm-hmm. in her family. Right. Their next-door neighbors were not. Yeah. And their next-door neighbors were, were Till Swan and her parents. Right. And Till is about three years older than this girl. Yeah. But Till and her become very, very fast friends. Mm-hmm. And let's just say that there was a lot of shenanigans. For example, Mm -hmm. they would bathe together. And the lady makes it sound like Till's parents were really nice and they were like super hippie. So nudity wasn't a big thing. But even her parents thought it was weird that they would bathe together. That is weird. Yeah. She says that she started developing physically before till mm-hmm. which is kind of odd considering the age disparity right right uh-huh but stuff like that does happen it does yeah and that till was super upset with this mm-hmm. and according to her till tried to portray herself as a very sexually active person mm-hmm. so it's, it's kind of strange and one day you know they had taken a shower and till could see that this girl was developing so And I hope I'm remembering the story right, but in front of the girl's older sister, Till tells her, take off your clothes so your sister can see what you have. Are you talking about her top, right? I I, I think it's just her top, yeah. And she said that Till would be one of those people who would try to instigate things. So, for Mm -hmm. example, one day Till goes over to their house and they're watching all this weird porn, like, bestiality stuff. And Teal was the one who told her to 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 do that. I believe so. Yeah, I think I think I'm remembering that right. Right, and the lady was disgusted by this. Yeah. Right. They go through life. 
at some point, and again, I'm not the best storyteller. Uh, th- this lady's having some issues. I think she's in her late teens at this point, and they weren't hanging around every day, but they were still friendly. And Till starts writing this lady's mom letters saying that they were both abused sexually and mm-hmm. they both saw some horrible stuff. So your daughter's probably acting out. The mom didn't tell the daughter that she had gotten these bizarre letters from Teal. Mm-hmm. So there was this like distance that was created between the mom and the daughter, mm-hmm. which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, obviously the host is interjecting a lot during this. Mm-hmm. So it's a longer narrative than I'm giving it credit for, which is why I should say, check out the episode. It was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. But, Because she doesn't know on this, she's still kind of on good terms with Teal. They're just not hanging out a lot. And so I know of Teal Swan. I don't know all of her teachings. And that's going to come up a little bit later because there's stuff I didn't tell you earlier. Because I wanted it to be kind of a surprise. But apparently, this is, again, according to this podcast, Teal claims that her first husband left her. And... This lady, if I understand her take on the story from talking to various people in Till's life, is that Till's first husband just going to deal with her Mm -hmm. and dropped her off. Now, she also claims, obviously, Till was hypersexual, but she she says that Till's parents try to get help for her. Mm -hmm. They they took her to the psychologist. They tried to figure out what was wrong with her because she they thought that she was she was very disturbed. Yes, but they. It was difficult getting a diagnosis. She says that Till is super smart. Mm-hmm. And one area that she thinks that really helped her. Is, now, Till apparently claims that she has a photographic memory. This lady says that's not exactly true. It's not that good. But she is really good at remembering little details. Mm-hmm. And that helps her out a lot. Yeah. Because if you remember little details, you're able to spin a better narrative. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. You can make it into anything. Exactly. So Till is smart and she's really good with memory stuff. Yeah. Okay. And she said that's one of the reasons the letters to her mom were so convincing. Right. Is because she could add those little details. Wow. Okay. So they don't talk for a while. And now we're at like 2010. Mm -hmm. They're both in their, let's say, mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And they run into each other someplace. And by now they both had little kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're just talking about, oh, isn't it weird that we're moms after all the stuff we've been through? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we should stay in touch. One, you know, one of those things. Mm-hmm. The lady says that, like, the next day, she gets an email from Till talking about how they were both sexually abused as teenagers. Wow. And saying all this bizarre stuff. Wow. Now, on the show, they said that they didn't want to say the name of the person who was accused of sexual misconduct against Teal. Uh-huh. But they said that if you really wanted to know, it wouldn't be that hard to put it together. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't there, so I'm not going to say I know. But what I gathered from the interview from this woman who used to basically grew up a good portion of her childhood with Till Swan is this person 
was around Till a lot, but it was very supervised. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like this person, this guy was alone with her. Right. So there wouldn't have really been an opportunity for something to happen. And even if something did happen, mm-hmm. how would this be where she would watch kids being murdered in front of her? Exactly. And weird sexual stuff constantly. Exactly. And and uh, I know you only played a piece of it, mm-hmm. right? It it almost sounded to me like if somebody was really traumatized, and this is just my opinion, if somebody was super, super traumatized, they either wouldn't be able to talk about it because it's so traumatizing, or they would talk about it and they would be so emotionally um, distraught. distraught. Like, it sounded like she was so emotionally disconnected with the whole thing. Yeah, so let's break down this traumatic thing a little bit more. Yeah. Because, the, uh, like I said, the host interjected, and he made a really interesting point. He said that a lot of these people, when when they start cults, there's all usually like a miraculous story. So, like, David Koresh said that he was the reincarnation of Jesus, I believe. Um, and he oh, g- yeah. Like, yeah, and, and he gave like other examples. I don't remember them. One that comes off to the top of my head. I don't think he used was like Marshall Applewhite claimed that he could talk to aliens. And that sounds, and that the whole thing was bizarre with that one. Yeah. So everybody needs sort of like a weird origin story. And you usually need something that's very hard to question. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to question sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. But you can't just have regular sexual abuse because a lot of people, unfortunately, have that. So you have to take it to the next level and say that you saw kids sacrifice in front of you. Right. And this happened over a period of years. Mm-hmm. And so he he says that that's sort of like her, her into this world. Her in with people, rather. And at least that's what I'm gathering off of it, is that she could claim sexual abuse on just an insane level. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Now... In the 80s and early 90s, Mm -hmm. this is going to seem unrelated, but we're going to travel back to it. There was a lot of talk of regressed memories. Mm -hmm. Or repressed? Or or repressed memories, I'm sorry. Where somebody would go into a therapist or quote-unquote therapist. Yeah. And they'd come out of it saying that they were like molested by their grandparents when they were three or something. Right. Like that. I've been hearing about that a lot. Yeah. Yes. And usually you don't want it too young. This was what the host was saying because then it becomes like really, really murky. So yeah. I gave the example of three. He said, it's more like you want to say that the memory was between four and five years old because mm-hmm. it's young enough to where you won't remember everything, but it's not so young to where you, everything will be blocked out of your mind. That's mm-hmm. why you don't say that you were sexually molested as an infant or at mm-hmm. least that's why it's like people back then weren't trying to get that out of kids right mm-hmm. I, and again i haven't done my research on this but apparently a lot of these uh, claims have been disproven by uh, the american um medical association and various other organiza- organizations so how does this relate to till swan mm-hmm. well let's get to our teachings okay i didn't know this but apparently Till Swan is very big and allegedly, I, I should probably say it like that because I've not been to any of her workshops. Allegedly, she's very big on getting people to have their repressed memories come out. Wow. And that can cause serious issues because 
one, if it's not true, mm -hmm. then you just implanted a false memory in somebody. Yeah, and, and right, exactly. And two, if it is true, you're not a licensed psychologist. So do you really know how to deal with somebody? So it's nice that you have a good few hours with them at a workshop, but you're not there to deal with the day-to-day -day trauma that something like this is bound to cause. Exactly. And you're probably also wondering, well, why is this one lady coming out now? Mm-hmm. And why is this on a show uh, called Mormon Stories if this lady was a Mormon, but Teal was just raised in a Mormon community? Right. Apparently, there was a, a woman or a girl who committed suicide, and I don't know the details, mm -hmm. but it, if I remember correctly, many people in her life believe that she was driven to suicide because of the teachings of Till Swan. Wow. Yeah, because apparently, and again, allegedly, I should say, Till said that somebody in her life killed themselves but then came was reincarnated like three days later. And mm. she's very big in reincarnation, allegedly. Wow. So she'll tell people, allegedly, and I'm saying that a lot because I don't want to be sued. So if it's repetitive, it's repetitive. But mm -hmm. hey, I ain't got till swan money. All right. Okay. Allegedly, till swan tells people that suicide is just like resetting. And it's not that big of a deal. And wow. allegedly, she promotes a lot of ideas that are pro-suicide. That sounds very dangerous. Now, the host was basically saying, we've seen stuff like this before. We've seen Jonestown. And this isn't there yet. But it has a possibility to escalate to that with people who follow Teal Swan. Mm. Allegedly, again, I know you're getting tired of that word, and so am I. But you know what I'm saying now. <laughs> right. Um, Till isn't married right now, but she's with some guy. Mm -hmm. And he apparently, allegedly, left his family to go and be with Till Swan. And is no wow. longer allowed to talk to them. Not No longer allowed to talk to them at all? That's what I gathered. And again, mm -hmm. I my memory is faulty. I'm not Till Swan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's a lot to take in. That is a lot to take in. I'm sure I missed a lot of it because it was, it was like a two and a half hour podcast and I want to listen to the other one. And I also want to watch at some point, there was a TV documentary that was, I guess, split into three parts that they made kind of exposing Till Swan. And what they were saying on the podcast is you can actually see her kind of go off on camera. Wow. In this documentary series. Wow. Yeah, but I think, yeah, so so um, I've never heard of this lady until you talked about her yeah. to me. And I'm not, um, I'm not a fan of self-help stuff, so I wouldn't have known who she was. And I am, by the way. I'm, I'm a fan who's skeptical. I'm a yeah. skeptical fan. Um, and so what, you know, just with listening to the story, listening to her talk, she does sound very, um, intense, but what really disturbed me more than anything was that she didn't seem very distraught when she was talking about her experience. Cause it would very, I mean, it would be something that I either wouldn't be able to talk about, or I would be crying during the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, it just didn't seem to me like she was, um, 
I, I kind of thought maybe it was being sensationalized. And of course, what do I know? I don't know this lady. Um, but if you're really trying to expose a situation like that, I would imagine that you would be emotionally drained. Yeah. And so distraught that you would not, um, you couldn't help but do anything but cry. And everybody's different, right? Yes. But this lady makes, in, in the Mormon Stories podcast, she made a really interesting point. She said, well, this abuse happened over a series of years. So if you're believing that, mm -hmm. and Till went away so much, she's like, I was over at Till's house all the time. Mm -hmm. And she never, like, went out in the middle of the night to watch babies get killed or anything mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. We would just, like, hang out in her house. So she's like, how is it that so many people in her life didn't know about this? This type of extreme abuse. Yeah, because I was wondering that, too, because she said that a family friend, right? Yep. Took her in. And it sounded to me like what you're telling me is that it wasn't, she wasn't living with a family friend. She was still, she was living with her own parents. Yeah, the details from what I seen get a little murky, but that was what I've gotten out of it, is that uh, she would hang out with a family friend, all this craziness would happen, and then she would go back to her family. Now, again, that's my interpretation, and I don't know all the details. And how long was uh, Teal Swan uh, supposedly gone from her family then? Well, that I couldn't answer, but I could a answer. The abuse was supposed to go on over a series of years. Okay. But I don't know how much of that time was like, was this like a weekend abuse thing? Was this like once every couple of months she'd watch a kid get killed in front of her? I don't know. Oh, my goodness. It's May, May and, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. June gloom, as they call it. I don't know. Gloom. <laughs> 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 oh, my craziness. Dead baby December. Dead baby. Dead baby. Maybe that's what we'll call this episode, Dead Baby December. It's not December, it's January. I know. You know no, we're I don't want to. No. Oh. No. <laughs> no, I think I, 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 I thought of a name, but I don't know if you'd like it. The J-Lo tribe. No. What? Not that. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you afterwards. Okay, you don't forget, though. Yeah. All right. I won't. Remind me if I do. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy stuff, babes. Uh, I don't know what else to say about it. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the lady that was being interviewed, but it almost sounds to me without hearing her interview, it almost sounds to me like she might be a little bit more credible than Teal Swan. I don't know. I want to listen to the Gizmodo podcast series. It's only six parts. Okay. And I also want to see about watching the Hulu series on her. I think it's Hulu, but I can, yeah, it might be some other service, but I want to watch. Plus. Yeah, I want to watch the um, the series on Teal Swan. But she did seem a little bit off. I, I did think that even before I saw this. So I should say she never seemed like my particular thing. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So we'll see what goes on with the teal tribe there. Jay, whoa. Oh, goodness. Babes. Yes. Let's change gears a little bit. To something maybe a little bit lighthearted, right? You want to talk about Alec Baldwin or Henry Capono first? Let's talk about Alec Baldwin and get that out of the way. Yeah, something um, lighthearted. Somebody I, mean, I mean, it's not lighthearted, but I want to get the not so lighthearted things out of the way before oh, we get okay. to something really fun. Yes. So he has been charged, I believe, with involuntary manslaughter. Yes. 
I have mixed feelings about this. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll give you both sides. Mm -hmm. If we were to say that he's not guilty about this, the, mm -hmm. or, or at least he didn't know what he was doing, I could make the argument to you that Alec Baldwin, he's a great actor, but, you know, actors are, artists in general are kind of dumb people outside of their art. So you could admire what he does on film, but he's a dumb actor. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He sounds like he, I mean, from what I've under, from what I heard, it sounds like he gets very upset very, very quickly. Like, like he's got, um, uh, he's got a short fuse. Yeah. But let me give you the argument that somebody could make about why he wouldn't do this. Yeah. He's a dumb actor. He doesn't know what he's doing and he's handed something on the set of the movie believes the people who gave it to him and the gun accidentally goes off and he shouldn't be held criminally responsible for this because what does he know? Now, here's the counter argument to that. Mm -hmm. Um, We could go with he's a dumb actor. We could go with he doesn't know what he was doing at the same time. This film that they were working on, I think it was called Rust. Rust, yep. Mm -hmm. People had quit on the set of the movie mm -hmm. because they said that safety protocols were not being followed. Mm -hmm. And I understand that on movie sets, sometimes people quit over things. And you as an actor aren't privy to all those private conversations. Right. That said... This wasn't a Mission Impossible or a Marvel movie where they have like 3,000 people working on it. Uh -huh. This was a very small production. Yeah. And I believe Alec Baldwin was also a producer on the movie. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could say that's a title and that he's not really doing anything. Mm -hmm. But if it's also a small production, you would think that he would know something about what's going on. Now, he claims that the gun went off. I've heard people say that that's not realistic considering the type of gun and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I do know that I've heard people question that and, and people who seem fairly credible. I don't know enough about gun ballistics, though, so that's outside my realm. What I would wonder is why is he having a real gun on set? I know it was handled. It was handed to him, but why does he trust holding a real gun on a movie set? And also, um, when... It's supposed to be, um, you know, blanks are supposed to come out of that. Yeah. And I heard that um, when they were doing an investigation, they found blanks. They found dummies. I'm not sure what those are. And uh, actual real live ammo. Yeah. Why would you put live ammo on the set? Yeah. When that's not supposed to come out of the gun. Exactly. And and, and they and, and also, let me make another point, please. Go ahead. Um, also... Um, the person, uh, one of the people I think that was doing the investigation said, um, the only way that that gun would be able to go off because it wasn't automatic. The only way that that would, that gun would be able to go off if somebody pulled the trigger and it's what, that's what it looked like from the investigation that, um, that was going on. That, that's what it looked like. I don't know the science behind it, so I can't say for true, sure, but I have heard that. Yeah. And... I've also heard George Clooney come out and mm -hmm. say something to the effect of while he wasn't on the set of this movie because he didn't work on it, mm -hmm. he kind of questions Alec Baldwin's logic because he said whenever he's had to use 
a gun on a movie set. It wasn't just like handed to him and he was just allowed to play with it. He said that there were strict protocols. Right. Right. And I don't think George Clooney is just going to badmouth a fellow actor just to do it. True, true, right. Because what does that gain him? He's a successful dude. He doesn't need the heat from that. Yeah, he doesn't. Right. Um, And this isn't a conservative conspiracy because George Clooney is like super lib. So it's nothing like that. So what I would say is I don't know enough. I wasn't there. Um, And I'm going to wait to see what comes out in court against Alec Baldwin. I also think it's really interesting that that Alec Baldwin was for gun control. And remember when you said that there were some funny memes about um, Alan uh, Alec Baldwin talking about gun control, and then all of a sudden now he's he gets in trouble, and it has to and it has to do with a gun. I hear you. That to me, it's funny, but it's res- less relevant it's- because he also is a dumb actor, and he's on a movie set. You know what I mean? So. I'm for gun control, too. But if I was on a movie set and they said, Rick, we're going to no, have you're me. not. You're for gun rights. I'm for gun rights. But I there's, I do think that there needs to be some restrictions. So you could say gun control doesn't mean necessarily that there's no guns. It means you have some restrictions. Right? Mm-hmm. But i wouldn't be opposed if i was an actor to using a gun in a movie so it's a kind of funny take but i don't really see that as being too relevant in this case now i will say while i'm 50 50 on the alec baldwin thing for right now i do think who was ever in charge of safety on the set mm-hmm. should be thrown in prison for life he, he need he needs uh, whoever that was um needs to be held accountable for this because had safety protocols been taken a lot seriously then a woman would not have been killed exactly and the director wouldn't have been injured and apparently they also had problems on the set with this particular gun Mm -hmm. so why was there a real gun on the set and why were there real bullets in it and why was the why didn't they just take out the gun and use something else exactly another one that wasn't gonna you know do that yeah was it or, 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 or i'm sorry another one and a uh, more controlled and um, that they had a very strict protocol on this one. Get a prop gun gun, instead of using a real gun with Mm -hmm. real bullets. Something just, this whole thing just seems like a complete clusterfuck to me. So uh, I'm going to wait and see what they say about Alcohol One. But I'm open either way. Basically what he's trying to say is that it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Except he said it in a more vulgar way. Oh my goodness. I told you a good idea for punishment, though. If if he gets convicted, and again, I'll I'll go with whatever the jury decides as of now, unless there's like really bizarre evidence. Mm-hmm. But if they convict Alec Baldwin, and I'm the judge, I'll say, okay, we know you didn't mean to do this, so death penalty is not on the table. I'm going to give you an offer. Ten years in prison, or you can make up with your brother, Stephen Baldwin. But if, if you can't do that, like if you refuse that or if Steven doesn't want to do it, then not only do you get 10 years in prison, you have to have a Stephen Baldwin movie marathon every day of the Wait, wait, wait. You remember, he has a brother named Billy. I know, but we're talking about Steven, babes. I, I think Steven is completely out of Hollywood. I don't even know if he wants to, anything to do with that. See, but that's the thing. If Steven, uh, what? I'm giving you, I'm telling you the punishment, babes. Oh, my goodness. If Steven says no, Alec goes to prison for 10 years and has to watch 
every Stephen Baldwin movie every day. Oh my goodness! What? <laughs> He'll become really familiar with my old old man. Uh, Bob, give me a kiss. No. Why not? You will. Oh, you are too. What? Give me a kiss, please. Why? Because you know you want one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say about this case? Um, it's really bizarre, but I guess we'll have to see what happens. I am glad that there are people besides him that are, um, um, th that are being looked at as well. Yeah, for real. Like if Alec Baldwin gets convicted, but everybody else goes loose, that will be insane. That would be insane. But this is a bizarre case to begin with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was another gun case in the news, babes. Oh. Uh. I think this was on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Like, was it over the weekends last weekend, I want to say, or Monday? There was a toddler walking around his apartment building with a loaded gun. Wow. Yeah. Are you told me about that? And I'm like, okay, who in their right mind would give, uh, would, 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 um, have a gun in, uh, the reach of a toddler? So they call the police, they come. I don't know all the details, but they, they find the kid. They find the gun. And he's safe, though. He's safe. They, it had 15 bullets in it. And I guess they look at security footage, and they find out that this was, like, the second time this kid was around, uh, uh, allowed to carry a gun. And apparently the dad said, oh, we just keep that gun here for my brother. Okay. Now, you're a lot more lib than I, or loose than I am, about uh, being loose with parents when their kids have guns. I never said that. I thought you were. No, I, I want parents to hide the guns from kids. I don't want kids to get a hold of guns. I want them to have a gun unless they need it. But they have to hide it from the kids. They can't, they cannot be, they, they should not be able to touch it. So you do think that this guy should be punished? Yes, of course. Yes. You're making assumptions about Oh, that's why I'm asking you. Babes. You didn't ask me. You just assume, Bob. You're assuming. Boy. Oh no! But when we ever talk about school shootings, you're like, Bob. You don't know if they'll be on you. Well, well, Bob. I was trying to make an argument here. Okay. You know, it wasn't. I mean, it's not that I um, say that all parents who have serial or kids for serial killers or whatever we call, what do you call it, um, serial killers for kids. I, I I wasn't trying to say that all of them are good. I'm just saying that, you know, you don't know everybody's background. Okay. What do you think is an appropriate punishment for this parent? Um, well, okay, so the kid did not kill anybody, okay? Well, let's just say that right now. He didn't the, the the little boy did not hurt himself or hurt anybody else. Um, I think he should have his um concealed and I don't even know if this guy does this guy have a concealed and carry license? I don't know. Okay. Um, if he does, it needs to be taken away from him until further notice. Okay. And we should also say this was not the first time that this kid was walking around with a gun and the gun was loaded. So yes, he didn't kill anybody. Yes, he didn't hurt himself. No. But it was, he, it was very lucky that that didn't happen. Yeah. And, and, um, but, but he, he, and he should also have his child taken away from him temporarily because, that is a child endangerment, I think. I think this guy should never be allowed to own a gun again. I think we can agree on that. Never. I never said that. Oh, really? No, 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 no. No, you didn't listen to what I said. Go ahead. It's possible that he shouldn't own a gun. I never, but I didn't say that he should never own a gun. I think that um, 
it should be taken away from him until further notice. Oh, why would you say until further notice? Well, I, I mean, I'm just going by what I know about the story. Oh, I'm asking you questions. You don't have to get all twiggled, babes. Ow. Oh. I love you, babe. Yeah. Tickle truce? Okay. That means I need a kiss. Why? Oh, well, well, if you don't want a okay, truce, you don't okay, have a kiss. Okay, okay. Okay, maybe I should rephrase this. Okay. Okay. I mean... You're giving an extreme punishment to some guy you don't know. Uh, I know that the, the little boy didn't kill anybody, didn't hurt himself. I think that gun should be taken away from him and brought back to his brother's house. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say because we don't know who these people are. Okay. Um, but you're also... An extreme punishment for an extreme situation. Nobody got killed, but that was, we can agree that that's pure luck. That nobody got hurt in this. And it's the second time this has happened. Yeah. So. But I do think that maybe his his little boy should be taken away from him, though. Okay. Temporarily. Would you be open to the idea that maybe we should ban this guy from ever, open, ever owning a firearm? Uh, since he um, clearly doesn't know how to uh, store I, it? I don't know, honestly, because it wasn't even his. Right, but he had it in his house, I, and he's the adult, so he's responsible I, for it. I know that, and we um, know that he said that. We don't know that that's the truth. So I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you're giving, like I said, you're giving an extreme punishment to a guy that you don't know, and you don't know much about the story either. Right, but what I do know is very disturbing. It is disturbing, but saying, "Oh, this guy should never have guns again," I think it's a little extreme for you. But for you. but but he's clearly an irresponsible irresponsible around guns. There's no question about that. He has no sense of how to be responsible around guns. So why would you trust him with a gun? No, no, no. I I get it. I get it. But but I mean, I don't know. I think it's a little extreme. So you would trust people who are irresponsible no, with guns? No, 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 no. I never said that. Okay. Oh, babes, I'm asking you questions. <laughs> I'm questioning boy, babes. Okay, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that at all. Okay. I'm just saying that he needs to prove he needs to be held accountable, yes, but he also needs to show proof that he can be trusted around guns again. Um, taking someone's right to not, uh, to have a gun is pretty extreme. Okay, I would make... And, and, I'm, talking, and I'm talking about the ones... Um, and I'm talking about people that 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 can use a gun safely. But again, I don't know this man. I don't know how the family handles guns like this. We're just going by what this this guy's negligence of his little boy. Right, but we know that he can't handle a gun right. I think he needs to take parenting classes. Take the gun away, and he needs to take a required amount or a required amount of, of parenting classes take the child away temporarily maybe he should live with this maybe he should stay with his uncle or another apparently the kids in the custody of the mom now okay okay good so so the so the custody so the mom has a child okay yeah and they're they're not together okay well um i think the man needs to take parenting classes and I also think he needs to take gun safety classes and he needs to take, he needs to have that gun away from him. Okay. Here you say some stuff that sounds rational, but I'll be honest with you. This is where the right wing loses me on gun control, right? Because 
It's one thing to say, take gun safety classes. That's a good idea in theory. But also this guy has been so irresponsible with guns before that I don't see how we could ever justify giving this guy a weapon. Because we, we know that he's irresponsible around weapons. No, we just know that. No, no, no. I, I get it. I get it. And, the, and a child was endangered. But you also have to think that um, there are people that are very responsible with their guns. Yeah. And they're being threatened by gun control lobbyists. And, I, and I'll tell you this is... I wasn't finished. They are threatened by uh, gun control people that that um, uh, don't want anybody to have a gun. Right, and I would say this is this is why the right loses me. I I agree with what you just said that there are responsible people who should be allowed to own guns, but this guy has proven that he's not one of those people. And if the right would give a little and say, "Well, we don't want irresponsible people to ever own guns." I would be, I would be, hey, sign me up for that. I'd, I'd join the NRA today if that was the case. But if we're saying, well, maybe he should, he should own guns in the future, but not right now, even though he's clearly very irresponsible. Yeah, but wait guns. a minute, though. Wait a second, though. You believe in due process, do yeah, you not? Yeah, I do. Okay, this man deserves due process. That means um, that if a person is irresponsible, I, I believe that somebody like him deserve the second chance if and only if if and only if they can um they can learn because people can learn from their mistakes i don't think that this guy is irredeemable altogether i think that he needs to be reformed for sure something needs to happen where the child is out of his home the gun is out of his home and he can't, it can't, they can't make it easy for him to get a gun. I know that, but he needs to prove that over time. And if he can't prove it, don't give him a gun. I, I, I think that just by um, taking a gun away from him, never giving him a gun, never letting him have due process in whatever way he needs to, um, I think that's a little too extreme. Okay, I would make the argument he had a second chance because this wasn't the first time his kid was seen uh, rolling around the a complex with a gun. This was his second chance because of that. Um, I would also say, well, okay, let's say somebody uh, shoots and kills one of their friends because they're playing around with the gun as a teenager and they get out of prison because they were underage. Should we give them a gun? See, I think this is why there should be reasonable limits on gun control. You don't need the lefty where nobody can have a gun, but you also shouldn't be so right-wing where you should say that people should just have other chances to get guns when they've shown that they're not responsible. I'm for responsible gun ownership. But if somebody is so, a gun is such a dangerous thing, though, that if somebody's shown that they cannot be responsible around a gun and they're so blatant about it, then I do think that those people should have their guns taken away. Well, first off, the gun isn't the dangerous thing. It's the person. Right, but he's proven that he's dangerous around guns because he allows a toddler to walk around with them. You've proven that. You've proven that you're a dangerous person around guns. So if we know that you're a threat with a gun, then why do we want to allow you to have one in the future, even if you take a class? 
you, you guns don't kill people keep people kill people but he's shown that he's one of those people who would allow but, somebody but, to but kill somebody with but a gun. like i said you're making a judgment based on a story you heard yeah. you don't know the whole you don't know who this pe- who these people are you haven't heard an interview with this guy true um we don't know about the situation with the mom we don't know about her we just know that she has a child so I can't make a judgment call on this right now. Okay. I, it's so complicated. I can't make a judgment call whether or not he should ever own a gun, whether or not the child should be back in his custody. Yeah. Which probably isn't a good idea at this point. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm looking at it on both sides. Okay. And I can't make a judgment call. Let me give you a scenario. Hmm? And again, some of what you're saying does sound rational if you take out the fact that we're talking about a toddler carrying around a loaded well, gun. And it's just like, okay, take the guns out of the equation for a minute. Yeah. Uh, a, a woman who um, got into, um, you know, who, who got involved with a guy and um, she gets pregnant yeah. and the guy leaves her, right? Mm-hmm. And she's faced with raising the, the child on her own, but she's doing, she's not doing a very good job and she's very irresponsible. Um, and they do, they do offer parenting classes. I, I don't know if, um, if there's free parenting classes in this woman's area. I'm just giving just a, a general example. Go on. Um, she has proven to be irresponsible with her child. Does yeah. that mean that she, well, now, now. Remember, you're I, asking Rick. I know. I know. Now, this is different because it has nothing to do with guns. Okay. It okay. has something, it has something to do with raising children. Okay. She has proven to be irresponsible with a child. And so the child is either put in foster care or they are um, in the care of relatives. Yeah. And um, I get it if she's committed. Several offenses, not just one, not just two, but several offenses against uh, the child, um, physical abuse, neglect, what what have you. She should not have any parental rights. Yeah. Um, it's a this one. This situation is very complicated too because yes, the child was caught twice doing it, but again, we don't know the situation with the entire family. Uh, we don't even know what the relatives think about this whole situation or whether or not they wanted to um, help the mom with the child or or what have you. So I can't really make a judgment call on this one. I'm going to ask you two questions and give you two scenarios right. with the understanding that these are obviously we're playing make-believe to a certain extent, but that's what we do as human beings. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, first, we're going to talk about Ethan Crumley's parents, then we're going to talk about this guy, but I'm going to try to make it fast. All right. I think that Ethan Crumley's parents would get the death penalty. We already know that, but who knows what will happen. But let's say his parents get released from jail. Mm -hmm. Should they be allowed to own guns? No. Okay, that's fair. No, 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 because they were the ones who encouraged him to get the same gun that he killed people with. Okay. Uh, Then another question. Yeah. This guy gets convicted. Will you be super upset if a judge says as part of your – as part of – as part of, of your punishment, you're no longer allowed to own guns. Like, I understand disagreeing, but would you be super upset if you heard that? No, I wouldn't. Okay. Because he has killed people with that weapon. No, no, I'm saying the guy, the father. Oh, the father? Yeah. 
of the of oh the kid. i'm sorry i thought you were talking about the kid oh, um, no, no, no worries would i be upset if you found out that a judge um, said part of your punishment you're no longer allowed to own guns would you be super upset with that no, I wouldn't. Okay, that's fair. And and I'll and I'll tell you why yeah. I wouldn't because I wanted I want to explain this because he encouraged his son, him and his wife encouraged his son to do what he was going to do, and they knew about it. Right? That is pure negligence in the worst way. Okay. No, what I'm saying is with the case that just happened this week, um, with the toddler uh walking around with the gun. Yeah. In that case, if he goes to court, which it looks like he will, mm -hmm. and the judge says to the dad, you're no longer allowed to own a firearm, I know you would disagree with it, but would you be super upset if you found out that the sky was no longer allowed I don't to know ever own if, a firearm? I don't know if I would be super upset, but it would have to depend on the evidence here because, again, I don't know the case. I've never heard of it except yeah. for what you told me. Um, are you absolutely sure you got it right, though? I, I'm, I'm, yes, I got the broad, it, put it to you this way. If I didn't get the broad details of the right, that means that the news got it wrong. And they were showing footage of this toddler walking around his apartment complex with the gun. That's really scary. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that I would be super upset, but I would have to depend on the evidence of this case and, um, find out the actual, um, find out about the actual evidence behind it. Like I'm sure they're going to investigate. They're going to do an investigation in the house of yeah. the house. So we'll have to see what happens. Cause I, and this is local news, right? No, this was, I think oh, somewhere the on the East coast. Okay. Well, I'm sure that I haven't heard about it as of yet, but I'm sure I will hear about it. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I, I disagree with you, but I, it's a little bit less. Uh, now that you said it wouldn't completely drive you crazy if this guy's no longer allowed to. No, it, was, it wouldn't. It wouldn't get me upset as much as like if somebody went and um, had a gun in their house and they kept it safe, but some um, some people knew somehow that the, that he had a gun, but he wasn't waving it around at people, and it was um, in his cabinet, safe and locked, safe and locked. But they took his gun anyway. Yeah. That would make me upset. Exactly. But that's reasonable because, again, I think that responsible people should own guns. But I think that irresponsible people, especially if you've shown that you're irresponsible people, I have no issue with the government taking those people's rights away to own guns. No issue. Yeah. If you've proven that you're irresponsible with a weapon, like in my opinion, this father has proven twice, I have no issue with them taking that right away from him. Um, and, and I think that I really do believe that most people who do own guns are actually responsible and they don't um, they don't owe them. To, they don't own them to hurt people. And um, and I know several people who have guns that are um, are very responsible with their guns. So. Um, so I think that I think that it hits me home a little bit more because my dad owns a gun yeah my, you know by the way my dad uh owned a gun too when i was living with him and my dad is irresponsible as he was and you know some of the stories mm -hmm. and not even i don't even know if you know half of the stories i probably don't he was he, even he was responsible enough to give me a uh stern talking to about guns when i was a kid and he showed you where he kept yep them. and he said you are never allowed to play with this and and I'm not going to go through the whole spiel, but even he was responsible enough to do that. Yeah, yeah, and I remember um, 
when I was a when I was a kid, I saw this um story on I think it was HBO. It's about this I think his name was Brian Darling. I think his name was and and the and the movie was called Gunplay and um I think his friend found a gun and was playing with it and accidentally shot his friend. Wow. Uh, shot Brian. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie these people were talking to kids and saying, "Now kids, if you see a gun, don't touch it. Act uh think of it as a loaded gun. Yep. You don't want to touch it. And that's a very that's a very, very, very good piece of advice. And that's a good piece of advice, even if you're an adult. Exactly. Don't yeah. you know, act as if the gun is already loaded because you never know. Exactly. And it's possible that the dad was trying to work on a on like a picture book with his son called Babies with Bullets. I don't know. But we don't know what? for sure. Oh, that was a joke that did not Oh my laugh. goodness. Well, and and I think as, if a person was a gun, gun owner and, um, you know, knew how to check it, they would be responsible. They they would know not to put a bullet in any of the chambers. Exactly. And the fact that this gun, if it was had 15 bullets in it. Um, I honestly think, and then we can move off of this, responsible, even conservative gun owners do themselves a disservice for not speaking out when there's a crazy gun story out there like this or like Uvalde. Like if your stance is that's where responsible people should own guns and that's where the conversation ends. I don't think they just talk about that because I listen to a lot of conservative independent media. Okay. Okay. Independent media, not corporate media. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, there is a difference. Yeah, there is. But I I do think that there is a question about uh, mental health issues, emotional issues, spiritual issues. Yeah, they they do question all of it. Um, I don't think it's just like oh, they only care about responsible gun owners. I think they real a lot of people really do care about the the hearts and souls of these people that have guns and that they shouldn't have. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, yeah. Um, and a lot of them focus on the more spiritual spiritual aspect of it because if they're spiritually broken, I believe um, that a lot of things are broken mm. with them. And it isn't just a mental thing. And a lot of uh, people want to focus on the mental thing. And that's a big thing about that it. That is, but yeah. The spiritual aspect of it is very, very important. I'm glad to hear that because so in the mainstream news, maybe not the kind you watch, the conversation ends. Well, there's some people who have uh, mental illness and that's why they shoot up places. But then you never hear legislation coming forward. Well, maybe we shouldn't allow mentally ill people to own guns. Like the conversation just ends at saying, oh, there's some mentally ill people who own guns, but let's consider the responsible gun, gun owners. I'm glad to hear that there's more nuanced. There, there is the more conservative, independent people really do focus on the spiritual aspect of the of the person and saying, "Well, how are they spiritually?" Because if your spirituality is out of whack, um, uh, they do. I mean, I personally believe if your spirit, if your spiritual condition is out of whack, then a lot of things are going to be out of whack. Yeah, and, but I'm glad it's not just saying that, but also saying maybe some people shouldn't be allowed to own guns if they've proven to be irresponsible. Um, cause if I, I, I would never own a gun and partially just because I don't think I'm responsible enough to own one. Um, but if I was a responsible gun owner, mm. 
I wouldn't just, I would be upset with the left, but I would also really be upset with people who set a bad example for gun owners and not want them to own guns. Yeah, either. and I think, I, I will say in fairness, the corporate media, even if it's conservative corporate media, they always want to try to put a band-aid on this. Yeah. And I, and I will say that for any kind of media that just want to say, well, the mental illness is, is what it is. But, and that's a part of it. That is a part of but it. But a lot, the media that I listen to, they want to look at the heart of the person because nice. if, if there was some anger in that person's heart, they're going to take the anger out and they're going to rage against whoever it is. Yeah. Bubs. Sorry, babes. I didn't know. Stop it. Sorry, I didn't know. Um, so it, it has to do more with the, the spirit, the mind, the soul, the, the whole entire person, not just the mental um, state of the person. Nice. Um, it's not just the mental state, but it's the whole entire spirit. Nice. Um, speaking of conservative media, mm -hmm. Ben Shapiro yeah. is in a feud, and I think I have to side with Ben Shapiro on this one. Okay. But <laughs> the twist is it's not with a liberal person. Oh. It's with a conservative person. Oh, I wonder who if I know who that is. I, well, I, I don't know, but we're going to find out. All right. Do you know about this dude named Steven Crowder? Steven Crowder. I guess he has a po podcast called Louder Than Crowder. No, I, I'm not familiar with him. I, I've heard of the singer David Crowder, but it's a different person. I, I uh, know of Steven Crowder before this week because he was on Joe Rogan a couple of times. Um, I think I heard the name, but I'm not familiar with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, you might have because uh, he's fairly well known. Okay. So Ben Shapiro, I guess, owns a company called The Daily Wire. Yes, he does. And... So I, I don't know all of C. I just know that he has a podcast. I don't know if he currently works with Ben Shapiro or he was about to. But he, Stephen Crowder on his show the other day came out and said that he was offered a contract and it was basically comparing it to slave labor. What? Yeah. And he was talking about all these provisions in this contract uh -huh. to where... The Daily Wire, I'm not sure if it was Ben Shapiro or his business partner, made a video going through the specifics yeah. and basically saying that Steven Crowder was offered $50 million uh -huh. over a four-year period, and he got four weeks of vacation and Fridays off. Right. So it's kind of funny that he was comparing that to slave labor. Four weeks of vacation? I and, think and Fridays a, off. I think a lot of people would love four weeks of vacation and Fridays off. Yeah. I would be happy with that. Yeah. So this dude it is... Wasn't like, like, it wasn't like he didn't get any time off. It wasn't like, you know, like the train, uh, the, the Amtrak people who drove, who, who had the, um, who was working with the freight train. Right? Yeah. It wasn't like they never had days off and they only had, uh, well, a week off or something or two weeks off. No, they didn't get they, that. They didn't even get they that? They didn't get any days. I, I think they got like, they were fighting for four days off a year. Slave labor? He compared that, it to slave labor. That that would be, I mean, it's no like European vacations because the Europeans take vacations off a lot, right? Yeah. I would be happy with four weeks off and Fridays off. I would, I would, I would be happy with that. And making fifty million dollars over. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what are you talking about? Slave labor. It's not like you're working for the um, the freight train industry. Yep. So in this case, I would agree that Ben Shapiro is actually in the right. I honestly think that is um, very generous. Yeah. 
Yeah, who wouldn't want that? Friday's off? Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> Three-day weekends every week? I yep. would like that. And, and you know, $50 million, that's like $12 million a month. Because I, I think you and I would both agree that Americans work way, 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 way too hard. Yep. A lot of them end up being workaholics because they want all the money. And some of us need to relax more. Yeah. Because I think if we were a little bit more rested and refreshed then we would be able to do our work um we would be able to do our work well and we wouldn't feel so tired there's actually been studies apparently that have shown that people are more productive with the four-day work week and they surmise that the reason it is is because if you have that extra time off when you do go into work one you're happier to be there because you've enjoyed yourself a little bit more but two, you also focus on your work more just because you have less time to do it. Mm. Yeah. And people don't feel so dead tired at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, that's another thing. I mean, if they are able to do that, yes. Um, the, the, um, I'll say the agency that used to, um, to help me uh, a while back, I think they started doing like a four-day work week. Nice. Weeks. Um, I know some people are like crazy and they work like six days a week and they only have one day off. Yeah, that's insane. That is insane. I think that I met somebody. No, no, wait. No, I'm sorry. I was talking to somebody. This was years ago. And she had like a weird weird schedule where she had Tuesdays and Fridays off and the rest of it she didn't have off. Mm -hmm. So it was like a really off the wall schedule. I'm like, that's a that's kind of a weird schedule. I know a lot of people hate on Bill Gates for a lot of different reasons. A lot of them very justified. Yeah. Um, and some of which I'm not even sure you know of. But I'm, yeah. But by pretty much all accounts, Bill Gates, when he was at Microsoft, almost never took a day off. Wow. And was oftentimes worked like 18 hour days. I that's insane. Yeah. 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 Um so and then that doesn't mean that he deserves all the success that he had because there's other people who work those hours and don't have that success. Mm-hmm. But it does mean that regardless of whether you like him or not, yeah, he is a hard worker, or at least was when he was a younger man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. J-Lo. Yeah. Uh, the Republican Party is at a crossroads. They might have to accept drag queen soon because everybody's... Uh, favorite Republican found out what used to do drag shows. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Not everybody likes George Santos. I think the, I think the party is turning on him. Yeah. And I was kind of ribbing you a little bit. I know. No, I don't think they're going to be accepting any drag Queens anytime soon. Um, but, um, we were joking about this earlier and, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about lying politicians, but I think the biggest liar and hypocrite now in politics is George Santos. Yes. All politicians lie. This dude takes it to another level. So this week, evidence has come out, meaning pictures of him doing drag shows in, I can't remember, it was like Peru or someplace like that. I I might be wrong with Peru, but it's someplace like that. He did drag shows in like 2008. Uh, and again, we've seen pictures of it now. Well, you haven't seen them, but they've been all over TV. I'm sure it's disturbing. <laughs> the, well, the other thing that's really disturbing, and all roads go back to Kyle from Secular Talk, uh-huh. but he was saying 
this these two stories, the drag queen one and the other one, might be the where it's a step too far. And even the few people in the Republican Party who haven't turned on George Santos have to. Apparently, I forget all the details, but there was some veteran who was doing a fundraiser for a service animal in 2017. Mm -hmm. And George Santos was supposed to help him and screwed him out of like $3,000 that he needed to have his dog operated on. And as a result, the dog had to be put to sleep. And the guy has evidence of this. And George Santos uh, called him a liar this week. Wow. And the guy has like evidence of like their, wow. their text so, conversations. So he's calling that guy a liar, but he's lied so much already. A veteran who's lost his job. I think technically he said this was fake news. George Santos? Yeah, I think technically he said that. But, you know, it's it's you're basically calling it this dude a liar at that point. Uh-huh. Um, it, it sounds like it's, it's it's just so hypocritical that he's lied about so many things, but he's calling this veteran a liar. I don't know if it's the most recent lie, but it's the one that I heard about this morning. Mm. So you know how George Santos says that his mom died in 9-11? Uh-huh. And people were asking, well, how can this be? Because she died in like 2016 or whenever it was. Mm-hmm. Apparently he just came out, or again, I just heard it, mm-hmm. and said that his mom died as a result of 9-11 because of like the toxic fumes in the air. But what he didn't tell, but which is on record, is apparently his mom wasn't even living in the U.S. when 9-11 happened. Wow. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. And he's also claiming to be like, uh, 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 said that he was like uh, a soccer star in college. Mm. But he like broke his knee or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, volleyball. I'm sorry. I think it was volleyball. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's crazy. Yes. Wow. So that's what's going on with George there. Yeah. You have heard the term MAGA mom, apparently. I did. Not for me. No, not from not from you. Who's, um yeah, go ahead. Uh uh Dr. Gina Loudon um used to have a show on an independent media network. Okay. Um she still works for that network, but she's um I think she's in the process of having another show with um I don't know who, but um and I forgot, I, I can't remember who she was interviewing, but she said the word MAGA mom. And I thought about you because <laughs> she said, oh, I think they're, you know, MAGA moms or MAGA mommies. I'm like, they don't call them, they don't call them that. And I just heard her like uh, a couple weeks ago or so say MAGA mom. Nice. <laughs> well, apparently, J-Lo, hmm? your two favorite MAGA mommies were caught Mag- fighting in the restroom this week, this week. Maga mommy. Yep, Maga mommy Margie. Oh my goodness. And Maga mommy Lauren. <laughs> I think I said this before. Mm-hmm. I don't like either of them. I do like that uh, Lauren Bobert is starting to call Marjorie out on Marjorie Taylor Green out on her anti-Semitism. And, and you know what? And and my response was, I don't care. I don't pay attention to these beefs if it pertains to me and other people that's one thing but i don't really care about their beef to be honest with you if like bernie sanders was beefing with jamal bowman i talk about it too so it's oh. not just because of their you know yeah but i don't really i don't i don't, I mean as i've gotten older i'm just like oh, i don't care about these beefs unless it really matters to me but oh. i don't i don't oh lauren just barely gets my support just because she's calling uh, Marjorie Taylor Green out on the anti-Semitism. And 
Lauren Boebert is kind of hot, hot in a nerd way. So uh, don't worry, she's not my future ex-wife. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't want to be with her, but I like that at well, least... She probably wouldn't be. I like that, you know, she might have some nutty beliefs, but at least anti-Semitism is a step too far for her. Oh, my goodness. So that's a good thing. Well, what? Mm. What? Lauren Boebert said it, babes. Oh, well, I don't care about the beef, but Okay. Beef. Okay. I do not. Very good. Very good. I do not. <laughs> mm -hmm. Can I ask you a question? No. Okay, really quick. No. Real quick. No. If, and I doubt this would ever happen. No. Okay. But if Trump came out tomorrow and also accused Marjorie Taylor Greene of anti-Semitism, would that be enough for you to turn on her? I don't know. Okay. I really don't know because I don't know. <laughs> No, I, I there would have to be evidence. There, I mean, there is evidence. Well, I mean, I mean, you know what I mean, Buzz. I'm telling you what I mean. Okay, all right, go ahead. I would have to have. I I would have to really know, you know, what he knows about this. But nice. I don't know, Buzz. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> Just as long as you didn't say she's an anti-Semite, and that's why she's going to be my next vice president. <laughs> no, I mean. He, I don't believe he's an anti-Semite, so, yeah. I go back and forth. I, I know what I have said to people is, I don't know if Donald Trump is secretly a member of the Klan, but if he isn't, he definitely is very sympathetic to a lot of their ideas. I don't believe that at all. Oh. And with that, let's talk about the music we saw this week, babes. That was so good. I, oh, I, yeah, I think thank you. I think, okay, um, to be fair, because we talked about this, I think it resonated more with me. Yeah. Just because I grew up listening well, to... Well, first of all, we should say who we saw. Okay, well, I was going to say go that, ahead, and go you ahead. interrupted me. All right, go ahead. Okay, so we went to the Aladdin Theater on Wednesday night. Two and, days ago. Two days ago, yes. Yep. Bubs, can you hear me All right, talk? All right, go ahead, go ahead. Two days ago, we went to Aladdin Theater, and we saw um, Henry Capono and Keola Beamer, who um, I grew up listening to their music as a young girl living in Hawaii. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't just listen to their stuff, but I listened to a lot of like traditional Hawaiian stuff as much as uh, modern stuff on the way to school and on the way back. And I really, really enjoyed it over the years. Um, they've been around since the 70s. Um, Henry Capono was in a, a duo called Cecilio and Capono. They had a band together. And uh, I don't know what, I don't remember when they broke up, but his, um, his business partner uh, had some serious um, allegations that involved children. And that's, I think, one of the reasons, uh, the biggest reason why they're not together anymore. Yeah. Um, but Henry Capono has kept on making music and he still sounds great after all these years. Keola and his brother Capono Beamer, another Capono, um, oh, no. have been, oh no, yeah, I've been making music for a long time too. And they're more of like the slacky guitar style, the traditional stuff. Uh, Henry Capono is more kind of modern, um, uh, maybe a little bit traditional, but not as much as the Beamers are, it seems like. Yeah. And I honestly thought, so um, I, I I thought that Keola Beamer would be a little bit quieter 
I think based on his music. He's really funny. He is very funny, and so is Henry Capono. Just yeah. like you know, and I thought maybe Henry Capono would be funny because he knew my good friend when he when my friend got into the Hawaiian entertainment business, and I thought it was so cool that they used to hang out together. From what I understand, and he knew he knew a lot of the people in the Hawaiian entertainment business uh by then and with, without blowing up your friend's spot yeah you got the sense from talking to him that henry capono henry capono was a pretty was a, a good person i mean I, I don't know much about you know what they told each other yeah but, but i'm assuming you but, asked your friend what henry capono was like i actually didn't but wow. i just knew that he came to their house yeah that's what i remember hearing and it sounded to me like if um if he was um, wanting to hang out with my friend, then that probably means that they um, that Henry seemed like a nice guy. He seemed like a very nice person on stage. Yeah, he did. He um, they were both engaging. Um, they seemed very happy to be there, very appreciative to be there, and um, uh, I re <laughs> I really enjoyed their collabs when they had a collaborative set. Yeah. Their sets were, um, both of their sets were great, but when they collabed together, I think that's when, you know, it was the funniest part of the show. The and, the first part of the evening was Henry Capono comes out, talks, does some music, then Keola Beamer comes out, does the same thing, then there's an intermission, mm -hmm. and then they come back and kind of play together for a few songs. Yes. Yeah. And it was great. I mean, they were both so engaging and what i really enjoyed was um keola beamer's wife is also um what is called a kumu hula which is a hula teacher and she did uh, a hawaiian chant in the beginning of the concert and i think that's what um a lot of hula teachers um instruct their students to do before they dance um at least in my hula classes we did that when i was a kid and i I couldn't remember what for. I think it was just to um, to acknowledge. Um, I think they did it. I, I, I'm guessing. I didn't understand the whole ancestors thing, but I think they did it. Um, hula teachers do that because of, of, of that and, you know, the culture. That's what they did. Yeah. In um, Hawaii, they're very big about talking about ancestors. Exactly. And um, I thought that was really cool to open the show that way. And then uh, in at the end of the show... She um, and uh, Keola, uh, Keola Beamer and Henry Capono led us in a chorus of Hawaii Aloha. And I didn't remember all the Hawaiian words, but Ho Hawaii Aloha is a one of the um, anthems of Hawaii. So part of the reason we do this, the main reason, is so we have some sort of an archive. Yeah. Also, I don't know their music as well. What songs did they perform either together or apart uh, that were uh, real memorable for you? Um, so one of the last songs that Keola Beamer um, ended after the, um, you know, before the collab ended, they, um, I believe they sang, um, I think it's called Honolulu City Lights. And that was one of the biggest hits that him and his brother uh had on the radio and um i do remember that song that um 
that Keola Beamer did with Henry Capono about um kind of poking fun at the different cultures. Yeah. I forgot what it's called because I want to say I want to find it. That was pretty well known though. Because yeah. I remember hearing that one before we saw them. Yes, and I forgot what it was called, but I I thought that song was really funny. Yeah. Um, I did not know that he wrote the the one other song that was hilarious about the butt. <laughs> Well, yeah, a little more than that, but uh, it you know the the song spoke for itself. It was pretty funny. What's the name of it? <laughs> oh, you don't remember? No, name. I know what the name of it is. It's just funny to say. It's, go ahead. <laughs> um, it is called. It was called Sweet Okole, and <laughs> and for those of you who do not know what that word means, Okole means your butt. Yes, you sit on it all the time. Yes. Somebody's texting you like crazy. I know. Yeah, that's all right, though. What, were there any other standouts? What about Henry Capone? Or what songs did he do that you um, The one, and I don't remember what the name of the title is, but he did that, that one song that was that was um, basically saying, Gotta Get Away for a While to Ease My Head. That was a big hit of theirs. Yeah. And I thought it was so catchy, and I didn't even think about that song. I was thinking about other ones. Uh, him and uh, Cecilio Rodriguez did a song that I thought that he was going to sing that night and it's called the night music. And that's one of my favorite ones that, that they did, but they didn't perform that one on Wednesday though. They did not. Yeah. They did not. Oh, um, but they played so well together and it sounded like they really, um, complimented each other. And, um, I liked how they harmonized and I thought, I thought, well, I mean, these guys are older now, but they really can still sing after all these years. Yeah. So my perspective is a little bit different than yours. Mm -hmm. We weren't 100% sure if we were going to go to the concert until the day before for a couple of different reasons. One, your mom was in town. And two, you know, a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. And I call you, or you called me actually during your lunch hour you're barely awake and you're like, what? So, yeah, that's what you said. You're, say? you're like, Bob, <laughs> you're falling asleep. So I'm buying them, but I'm thinking to myself, oh, buyer beware. We might not make it. But uh, we go back to my place on Wednesday around three. This is the next day after buying the tickets. Yep. You take a nap. I make us some food. Turned out really good. Turned out really good. And it was a pretty smooth evening. The only thing is there's a weird crossing near Pal yeah. that we had some issues with. But once we got past that, and the lady was super nice and made, like, a suggestion. Yeah. I think she was on a bike. Or she just gotten off of a bike. Yeah. From, like, um, a bus. Yeah. We go to the Aladdin Theater. Doors open at 7. We left my place out, uh, uh, around 6.30. Got there at 7.19. It would have been earlier if it wasn't for that word crossing. Yeah, that was really hard for the both of us. Yeah. And <clears throat> I've been by the Aladdin Theater many times. And I've mm -hmm. been in there. But I've never seen a show there. Go to the door. The lady scans our tickets. Points to say a guy. He uh, opens the door. He says, sit wherever you want. We sat at a space where I'm guessing like a sound tech was at because there was like a computer and like a desk not too far in front of us. Uh, I think one guy maybe sat in our row and mm -hmm. we stand up and dance for pretty much the entire time with maybe yeah. one or two songs that were exceptions. Yeah, um, I wasn't sure if we were the only ones dancing because it seemed like, you know, the, the room was more um, 
a, a little bit crowded than it would be at the motor center. Yeah, I think some people did stand up and dance. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but I don't think we we're the only I thought ones. maybe we were the only couple dancing, so I don't know. <laughs> but um, it was an enjoyable concert. I like that it was an intimate setting. It seemed like mm -hmm. it was more intimate and... Um, they didn't have, uh, obviously they didn't have a live band with them. They just did it totally acoustic and it was really fun. Yeah. My only slight criticism, I like that they were interactive with the crowd. I wish that they would have talked a little bit less and gotten in like two or three more songs. Mm. What do you think of that criticism? Uh, I have to slightly disagree with you okay. because, um, I mean, this is of course, the the one time that I've seen them both live yeah. and I never thought I was going to see them live and I thought it was great that they interacted with the crowd because I wanted to know what kind of people they were I did too but they um, could have if they would have done that a little bit less they would have gotten in more songs I think the only criticism I would have is I I wish they they would have played a little bit more um some hits that I I would remember yeah um and I don't know as many Keola Beamer stuff as I do with Henry Capono stuff. Mm. Yeah. We leave. We get a lift. Um, I think the guy was in his own little world. Yeah, it seemed like it. He dropped you off first, even though I'm, like, way closer. Yeah. But, I, you know, I got home not too long after that, and that was pretty much the end of the evening. Yeah. It was a good time. It was a really good time. Yeah. It was it was cold. Stop it. Sorry, go ahead. Getting in the habit, Bob. I'm sorry, babes. I it sounds know. kind of weird. Oh, sorry. Um, no, it couldn't have gone so smooth. I mean, it was just very, very smooth. Yes. Yeah. Any smoother. Any smoother. It couldn't have gone any smoother. It was just a, a very smooth um, getting in, getting out. Um, the time was just great. Um I was glad that we were able to make it on a Wednesday night because yep. that was a super long day for me. And I felt, I have to admit, I felt really bad because my mom was at home. And, I, and I actually felt bad for your mom too. She had work to do. And I kind of felt like because she had limited time with me this time, I felt like I didn't spend enough time with her. And I, she understood, but I still felt kind of bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, and we, and obviously we did not know that the concert was, was going to fall on the same day. No, but, uh, it was good stuff. It was. It was, it was very good. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so, um, yeah. Fun was had by all. I hope, well, it's had by us. And us. Yeah. I'm assuming other people enjoyed it too. Yeah. Yes. Especially that one song towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and even if they if if there were people in the audience that didn't have a lot of connection to Hawaii, I'm sure they still appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like a lot of people there did, though. Yes, that yes especially cool. when they said, uh, "I think Henry Capono was saying something like, um, it's a beautiful day in Portland, Oregon.'" And some of them were like, "No, it's cold." <laughs> I'm like, yeah, "I agree." Yeah. <laughs> there we go, there, Jim. And the the one lady, the one lady said, "Yeah, very funny." <laughs> and <laughs> well. Babes, mm -hmm. we started this late, so we might want to wrap it up so we can make something neat. And I know now you got to check your uh, your phone there, Jay. Well, but before we go, yeah, is there anything else you want to say either about Henry Capono, Keola Beamer, or anything else in general? No. Well, all I, all I want to say about that is if you don't know about these two artists, I would suggest you look them up because they've been around since the 70s. And I don't know how well known they are, but um, I think maybe it's possible that 
Cecilio and Capono were a little bit more well-known than Keola and Capono Beamer. Yeah. But um, equally great artists and um, they can still sing after all these years. Yeah. Henry Capono kind of reminded me, and I don't know why, because I've never seen this other artist live, but, you know, I've heard recordings, kind of reminded me of like a Hawaiian Tony Bennett. Yeah. Do you like that assertion? Um. What do you mean by that? Just his presence on stage. Yeah. Kind of had that cool laid back style of like a Tony Bennett. Um, I'd see a younger one. Yeah, because he I has mean, Alzheimer's now. A younger Hawaiian. I don't know if I compare him to a Tony Bennett, but he seemed very, um, very relaxed. Yeah. Seemed very laid back. And he just, he seemed like he was so happy to see a bunch of face, faces. Maybe and, maybe more like a, a Hawaiian version of Vic Fontaine. Then. Vic Fontaine. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe Tony Bennett. I, I don't know because his, because his style does not remind me of Tony Bennett. Okay. I, yeah, I was more thinking like the stage presence. Maybe Vic Fontaine. Yeah, he, see, he seemed very uh, cool, calm, and collected. Yeah. 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 Like he's, he's done it for a long time, but he really enjoys it. By the way, you know what I heard about that actor who played Vic Fontaine? And I don't know if this is true. Oh, yeah? Apparently he's been married to his wife since he was like 17. Wow. Something, or 19, something, like super young. And apparently they're like still happily married. And and he, and he sings too? I think he does sing, yeah. Wow. He, he kind of sounds like a, like a cool laid back Sinatra, except he doesn't sing like Sinatra. See, that's why I think Tony Bennett when I think of like Vic Fontaine. No, I'm actually, no, I take that back. Not Sinatra. Vic Fontaine reminds me more about, uh, more of Tony Bennett because of his style of music. Yeah, but I, I think of, I think of Tony Bennett as like a laid back Frank Sinatra. What about Keola Beamer? I don't know who I'd compare Keola Beamer to. I don't know either. Yeah. He seems a little bit different than Tony, um, um <laughs> not Tony Bennett. <laughs> Henry Capono, mm -hmm. just because I think Henry Capono seems a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, not that not that Keola Beamer did not seem relaxed, but I think he was a little bit more boisterous. Yeah, which I thought was very interesting because I didn't think he was going to be so boisterous. Nice. Yeah. Well, good. Yes. Well, babes. Yes. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No. Oh. oh. Well, then give me a kiss. Why? Because okay. you need one. Okay. I think I need some deodorant, but here, I'll let you. Ah, you uh, no. All right, well, then give me a kiss on the wall. Uh. <laughs> oh, oh, actually, I do smell that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Woo! Oh. You want to stick your nose right in the pit, see if it's any better, or no? <laughs> no. All right, well, then give me a kiss. It smells like lava. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. All right, babes, last chance. You no. good? Yeah, I'm good. All right, bye-bye for now. Oh, uh, are you right? Yeah, that, that was my earphones. Okay, cool. So I can wrap it up? Yes. Bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye.